nutrition, movement, inner voice, self-expression, alone time, and community. So the way I look at it is like we need all of those things all the time, but depending where we are in our lives, some of them will take precedence over others. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Active Ingredient Podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who is constantly on a mission to uncover the light that exists within all of us. On this podcast, I talk to people from all walks of life who have uncovered their light and actively cultivated in their everyday, whether it be through career, relationships, spirituality, or a combination of the three. My hope is that these conversations help us start uncovering our own light that already exists within us, which is what I like to call our active ingredient, so that we can tap into it, bring it to the forefront, and live the lives that we were intended to. Hello, we are back with another active ingredient episode, and I'm so excited to be back, have another guest on the show. I'm also really happy with how you guys reacted to the last solo episode. I did not expect it because it was a very personal one, and I was like, I'm not sure if you guys rather hear more personal or more kind of like broad topics, but if you guys want to send through some ideas or some other things that I should be focusing on, Um, or that you want me to be focusing on, let me know. But I am very happy with the turnout of last week's solo episode. And I'm so pumped for this week's episode with Shauna Felici, who is an incredible celebrity wellness chef, nutrition coach, and she is the founder of the Soul Wellness Method. And I'm honestly so pumped for this episode. You know, like when you feel just such good energy with someone, I felt like the energy from when we actually recorded, the energy that I felt when I was editing this, like it all just felt so good. And I hope that it resonates with you guys as much as it did with me. So Shauna actually accidentally fell into a career in food and is now transforming lives through her accessible approach to holistic health, which is pretty incredible. And after having dealt with her own health issues and following her curiosity, she ended up enrolling in IIN, which for those of you who don't know what IIN is, it's the leading online nutrition school. And she eventually became a certified holistic health coach. Her current practice focuses on six pillars or what she calls her North Stars, which include nutrition, movement, inner voice, self-expression, alone time, and community. And if you guys have been listening to the last few episodes of the podcast, you know that community is a big topic that I'm focusing on. Um, and we definitely get into it in this episode. She's been covered by leading publications, including Vogue, Us Weekly, Huffington Post, Poosh, Well and Good, Pop Sugar, and so many others. So on this episode, we talk about how Shauna accidentally fell into her career in food and how she became a private chef for a celebrity A-lister, how following her curiosity and wellness led her to find her passion, the six pillars of wellness, the correlation between having a handle on your finances and feeling generally healthy and confident. There is definitely a correlation between the two. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm feeling financially insecure, I eat everything. Um, But we definitely get into that. Paying attention to what you're consuming physically and mentally, making wellness accessible, and how networking has enabled her to do what she loves. So with that, let's welcome Shauna Felici to the show. And I hope you guys all have an incredible week. And don't forget to do your grateful list.
Okay, so we are in Miami. This is the first time I've been in the studio, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. So thank you for coming on to Active Ingredient. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat to be working like this in Miami and finally meeting you in person. I know. Well, we need to like get into whole Miami life and like just understand what you're doing here, how long you're here for, etc. But I actually always kick off the podcast asking what the guest was like as a kid. That I'm very curious to know what you were like. Um, and I'm dead because before we started recording, Shauna just showed me that. Her mom sent her like a full paragraph thing about what she was like as a kid. So yeah, I'm curious. What what were you like as a kid that you remember? So I won't. I'm going to spare you like the three <laughs> paragraphs that she wrote. But basically, I was very outgoing. Um, we lived in Queens when I was little and I would she would always take me around. So I would say hello to all the shopkeepers and the hot dog guy and just kind of like always be very social. She says she was also quite the businesswoman. She would make paintings and set them up in her grandma and grandpa's basement. When their friends came over, they would buy a couple of Shauna's originals. And for a couple dollars each, she had quite the money stash. Stop. No matter where we traveled or visited, Shauna was excited. She was she adapted and enjoyed. Happy, excited, curious, and full of adventure. Okay. Well, the reason I ask, and I'm sure you know this because I ask all my guests, is because I feel like when you're in that like young, fun, full of like authenticity state, and when you're in, in adulthood, you know, kind of living in your active ingredient, what I call a lot of those qualities translate. And I feel like all of those words that you just said is what I feel about you. Oh. So that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I do feel that I am that way. I think now it's sometimes it's less time and less patience to be like schmoozing with people who I meet randomly, but I actually find when I do have the time to do that, it's the most fulfilling and like, it just brings you into the world. Totally. I mean, I feel like in order for you to be successful at what you do, you have to have those qualities. I mean, you're literally, and we'll get into like your full business, but you're in people's homes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like all of those characteristics are absolutely necessary to build a successful business in that field. Um, okay. I want to take it back. You started in modeling mm -hmm. and I want to kind of pick your brain on why modeling, what you thought you were going to be. Uh, what you studied, just kind of give me like a foundational background. Okay. Um, in school growing up, I, I hated it. I hadn't, I was bored. I had no desire to be there. And my parents were always really cool about it. They were basically like, you have to do semi well, um, but we're not going to force you to be anything that you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And I grew up, my grandparents were both teachers and there was a big point of contention there because they had like just a different trajectory. Mm -hmm. Um, but my parents were always really great about it. So I, I grew up dancing. So I was like always just daydreaming about getting to dance class. I went to an all ballet school and was on a competition team. So that was my priority. And I always had been doing some modeling from when I was little. And then once I started making like real money doing it in high school, I was like, why would I not do this? Um, and I also was taking acting classes and I thought like I wanted to do like that whole thing. So you wanted to go down a creative yes. field? Okay. Yes, for sure. Um, I also like my school, my high school offered a vocational school. So for half of my day in junior and senior year of high school, I went to beauty school. Like I left school. That is, I've never heard of any school having that. Yeah. That's really cool. There's just, just like different, they offer different fields for different people. But I was like, oh, I can get out of half my day at school and like come back and just like take math science. Like I was like, sign me up. Like whatever I could do to not be in school, I was 
I was there. I feel like that's so smart. And also something I talk about on this podcast a ton is like this pressure that we have at such a young age. I mean, the pressure isn't really there in high school, but definitely in college of like figuring it out and not having the tools to even know what you like and don't like. So that's really like, what school did you go to? Let's plug your school because that is a genius I, went, a genius I grew up approach. in um, Hopog, Hopog High School in Long Island. <laughs> All right, Hopog. <laughs> Home of the Eagles. <laughs> I just was so disinterested and I never, so many people around me and even still I talk to adults and they're like, I felt so much pressure. Like, it's so cool. Like you didn't. And I was just like, I like, you can't pressure me. Like, I was just like, nope. And I was really like, I always like listened to the rules. Like I wasn't like rebellious. It just wasn't my path. Um, I super relate to that, but like I kind of was rebellious and that like for summer reading, for example, it's like, I would never read anything, but if no one told me to read, I'd probably read like 50 mm. bucks. You know, it's like the telling of, you know, like, don't tell me what to do. Like I'll probably do it 10 times more if you didn't say anything. Yes. You know? Yes. I, I sort of relate to that. I think for me, I just, I feel as though the the school system, the traditional school system fails a lot of students. And I, I feel that it failed me. I don't learn the same way that most people learn, like sitting in a classroom. I actually can't absorb information when it's just like spoken to me. Like I have to see it. I have to write it. Like I have to, even when I would study, like my mom realized from dancing, like I could pick up routine so quickly. She's like, you need to move. So I actually would start studying, like walking around. Like I just had had to figure out my own methodology. So I think also that just had like, like if I was learning in class, I actually wasn't learning. So I just like, let me just daydream instead. So it's like super that. interesting. Like I had to really teach myself how to learn and study and like buckle down but I did it with things that interested me as I got older. So yeah. then there was like just more motive behind it. Totally. So what did interest you later on? So you continued to model and act. What yes. career trajectory did you think you so were going to go down? I didn't want to go to college right away. My parents were like, cool. Like you don't, you don't have to, mm -hmm. but you can't live here for free. So you could either pay us rent or get your own place. And I was like, uh, peace out. Like I'm going to get my own place. So I moved to Manhattan when I was 19. I was living in the East village and I was working for Hillstone restaurant group, which I stop. I might go there later today, by the way. <laughs> I continued to work there for six and a half years. Um, and I, I owe a lot of who I am to Hillstone. Like I can't even tell you like the things I learned. What was your role? I did everything. So I started as a greeter as, as 19, like in Midtown Manhattan, like this crazy busy restaurant, like greeting what, is it all the, the one guests. on 28th and Park? I worked on 54th and 3rd. Oh, wow. Which is like a, their third busiest location in the country. Like it's crazy. They're jazz nights, let me tell you. I uh, hope that they every come night. back. Oh my God. Well, I don't know about now, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I did that and then I was a server and then I was expediting and then I was like, I want to be a bartender, but that's like a promotion. So eventually I became a bartender. Then I was counting the money at the end of the night where like I would stay super late and like do all like the bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, I interned there for a little bit when I went, I eventually went back to school. So like, I just did all the things I spent a summer oh in East God. Hampton working for them there. Like it's, it was crazy. Okay. We need to do like a side <laughs> podcast dress on like Hillstone, Hillstone everything. Oh my God. Because I always thought I was Hillstone's number one fan, but I think I'm sitting across Hillstone's number one fan. <laughs> and like, this is like, I need to know more. I actually have a really funny story that I'm going to make it really quick about Hillstone. <laughs> but when we were younger, I don't know if you remember this or I don't know if the New York locations had this, but in Miami, the waitresses had to have a uh, ponytail, ponytail, yes. ponytail, like down there down yep. their whole thing. That was like the look. 
And one day my dad got really pissed because like the house was a disaster. And he was like, why does this family not operate like the Hillstone staff? <laughs> so, <laughs> he was like, why are we not as efficient as the Hillstone staff? And literally my sister and I were like, you're absolutely insane. Like you just, you want us to operate like a full restaurant staff like no so we literally dressed in full black put our hair in like the little ponytail 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 and started cleaning up the whole house i'm dying that is ridiculous can i tell you like i so relate to your dad doing them a virgo and i'm like yes efficiency like that efficiency i thrive in it but that's hilarious he must have been really frustrated oh my god but like how funny like like your your two daughters you want them to be the Hillstone waitresses. I was like, okay, whatever. That like train and I can't, that's It's hilarious. one of the funniest things ever. Like I literally, like I picture us being young with like the ponytails and I can't. I How just old can't. are you? He like stopped being mad because he like couldn't contain his laughter. <laughs> he was like, I can't with you guys. How old are you? I don't know. Like maybe like 13. She was like maybe 11. I don't know. That's funny that you guys thought to like poke fun back at him. I love that. <laughs> Wait, okay, that's sorry. Hilarious. I'm going to tell this story to people because that's really funny. By the way, there are people who are definitely even bigger fans than us. Like I did a post of how to order like healthy at Hillstone, like how to hack oh the God, menu and like men and women were DMing me like this is amazing it's like I mean it's a cult following like no, it is. you like it's a diehard thing yeah we definitely need to do another yeah for it. sure actually that's that, I feel like that'd be a really good one and probably get the most listens we've ever gotten I think so okay let's do it <laughs> okay um, so, so you're was, working for Hillstone I was working for Hillstone and that supported me like I paid for my my rent I had health insurance through them like I was able to travel I was able to like have a really nice fun life living mm-hmm. in Manhattan in my early 20s I and eventually just got really bored of like I just was bored. Like I was like, I want to learn. Like I just was in school and I got really caught up in like trying to fit in. I had gone vegan like right before I moved to Manhattan. And then I just kind of wrapped myself up in this identity that it wasn't working for me anymore. And I really started- Why did you first go vegan? I, so I was commuting from Long Island where I grew up into the city and for modeling Mm -hmm. and I would go just to like Barnes and Nobles to kill time when I was waiting for a train or something. Mm -hmm. And I found the book Skinny Bitch. Like I just found it and I read it and I just did it. And I felt amazing in the beginning and I drastically changed my food. I mean, I grew up on pizza, pasta and bagels in Long Island. (laughs) So like if you add in some like extra greens, like you're going to feel really good and like Mm -hmm. lose some weight. So that happened. And then I just got caught up in this identity. And like this was back in like 2008-ish. So like finding a restaurant that like could accommodate. And like, I loved going out to eat and like my new friends would be like, oh, she's vegan. Like, what can she have? Like, I just got wrapped up in that. So then I loved being the healthy friend. Exactly. I loved being the healthy friend. That was my identity. And it was no longer serving me, but I didn't know how to break away from it. So I started binge eating at night. So I would come home from Hillstone. I'd like work a double. And then I'd go to the bodega and buy like Ben Jerry's and Snickers and like what whatever. was going on emotionally during that time. Oh my I God, feel it was like so dark. I, I want to understand because I feel like that doesn't happen overnight. And I feel like you must have had this conflict between identity and what you were portraying for a long time for this to actually manifest with binge eating at night. So I'm curious to know how long it was going on for, um, and kind of like what triggered you to get to that point. Yeah. I think even like, it wasn't even just the identity thing. I think really looking back on it, moving from being in the care of my parents, my, my mom was a stay at home mom. So like I had, I had that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just completely like alone in a new city on a new block. And even though I knew Manhattan very well, it just, 
I think it was a lot of culture shock and like now I have to do my own laundry and just like I'm supporting myself and I'm working a job and there's stress and like I was terrible with finances. So I was like always, I was either like I had money from working and then I didn't have money and there's all of those triggers that go off emotionally. Like you feel like you're, you're being like, you don't feel safe when you don't have money. That is I kind of want to stick on this point okay. because first of all, we're in tax season and like, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are very stressed. I have found myself when I feel like I don't have a handle on my financials. I turn to food and every single time. And then it's like a, a snowball effect because then I feel like shit, then I buy more shit, then I eat more shit. And it's just like a whole thing that's really stemming from what feels like just like insecurity, not knowing like that unknown is kind of like across the board, what triggers most things. Yeah. Um, but that's interesting that that's kind of like what was your, yeah. your point. Yeah. And I still can relate to that. Like over the years, I've made more money and I've seen the correlation of having money and being s- smart with it. And I'm not like even that frugal. Like I believe in enjoying mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. But I found when I really started making money that I was more confident. I like felt more confident sexually. I felt more confident like as a woman speaking my mind, like I even had a friend visit me who knew me during that time in New York and I, he visited me in LA and he was like, he's my best friend. He's like, you're even just like walking differently. Like it really, there's always in spirituality, like they say like money and sex is the same. And I never understood it until I started making money. And then like sex actually changed for me. Like it was really, yeah. Like it, but I think sex also represents just like kind of just like the sexual energy or just like this grounding energy in your life, not necessarily the act of sex. Um, that's so interesting. It's so interesting. Right. So, so So I think like learning how to handle money, having this identity, then having this complete shame cycle every single day where I would wake up and see these wrappers on the floor and then I was gaining weight. And then I'm like, okay, well, I just won't eat today. And then it'd be like eight o'clock at the restaurant. And I'm like, maybe I'll have a chip. And then like by like 11 o'clock, there's like in restaurant culture, they call it like the food that dies. Like it can't be like brought out, like because it was sitting for too long or just something happened. So like we would like eat it. Like we'd eat like the, the dead, like brownie. And then like, I would just gain more weight. Like it was just like this crazy, cycle of like, I'm not being true to myself, but I have no idea what to even change. Um, and then I would like always just meander into this health food store on fifth street. that was two blocks North of me. And I, Oh, at this time I had chronic yeast infections. Interesting. I had a yeast infection every single month, like every single, it was the sugar. Definitely. I was also on birth control. Um, I like, grew up where if I had like sniffles, I was on antibiotics. So I think at this point, everything just like took a head. Like it was just yeah. like my gut was just out of whack, completely out of whack. So at the same time, you're doing modeling things, going through this internal battle. Um, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? And then is this the point in life where you really turned to health and wellness to try to kind of heal yourself? Um. Well, I was always playing and healing, trying to heal myself with like going to the health food store and I would buy like a natural remedy for candida or I would just like buy these weird like snacks that like were raw and like had mm-hmm. no, like it would just like, I would always just kind of experiment. So I always think I had this like very, like this interest in it. Mm-hmm. I always really did, especially with my dance background. And I actually, 
I wonder, I think I, I moved to the Upper East Side two years after living in the East Village mm-hmm. and I felt like there was a new, I could have like a newer start. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed just kind of like the more structured way of living up there rather than in the East Village. Yeah. So that I think started to really influence me and I was cooking a little bit more. I was still working in the restaurant, like going out super late, but it just like things started getting a little bit better. And around this time I had went to a wedding, met a guy, we became friends. And then we stayed friends. And one trip a few years later, I, I reconnected with him and then he actually ended up being my boyfriend. And I tell you this because he was living in LA. So I Mm. moved eventually from New York to LA to explore this relationship with him. And that's really where everything really started to change for me. Nothing to do with our relationship, but everything to do with LA as an overall lifestyle. And as a culture and as health and wellness being one of the main pillars. Correct. Correct. Got it. And this was a time Instagram had just launched. And one of the first people I ever followed, I was like following four people. I didn't even know how to work this thing with Sophie Jaffe. Oh my God. Philosophy. And she was hosting this thing. And I was like really depressed actually. Like I had just moved every, so I've realized this about myself. Every time I move to a new location, I have relocation depression even like when I moved to Miami, like it just takes me about a month to two months in LA took me like two years, but I didn't have like anything I really loved at the time when I moved to LA. So I didn't have like interests that I could follow. Whereas now I know like I would start going to studios and events. Like I know, I know who I am. Um, That's also like with age, you know, you start to understand like how you feel after you do certain things and take note, et cetera. Yeah. So I was 24, but I was like, you know what? Like this is yoga. Like I have a dance background, like I'm going to go. So she uh, had this event with Rochelle Tratt too, who like is an amazing yoga uh, teacher in LA. And I took a yoga class. I bought Sophie's food. She was doing her own demos and I just started making smoothies like just started making smoothies. But like, what was your intent? Like, were you like, I want to go into the health and wellness world or just for yourself? Just for me. Okay. Yeah. And like, I knew I loved feeling good with healthy food. Like I love fruits and vegetables, especially like with the whole vegan stage. Like I, that was never like, yeah, it wasn't like a far off thing. Mm -hmm. And I just started making smoothies. They were soup. Like I'd look back and I was like, they were like mango and pineapple, like everything (laughs) like that I will not put in a smoothie now, but like it worked for me at the time. And then I was hiking and just like all these things. And I just started following that and blogs were just like launching that were health and wellness oriented. And I became kind of obsessed, but like in like a positive way, it was like my new interest. Mm -hmm. And I went away with my parents when I was like 25, my mom and I kept going to these seminars at the gym and I knew all the answers, to all the questions. And my mom at the end of the trip, she's like, you know, you really ought to do something with this. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to go get like, get my master's. Like, I, I don't even know what to do. Wait, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but what were you doing at the time? Like when you were in LA, not having officially been in the health and wellness world, what, what, what were you doing, doing to like sustain your life? Um, oh, I know what I was doing. I was working as a sales rep for a dermatologist who had three lines, one for hair loss, one for acne and one for anti-aging. And I would sell his products to other dermatologists and plastic surgeons. So I was a rep, like I would be in my car. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you were doing that to pay the bills and then you were kind of just like exploring different facets of LA and health and wellness was the one that really caught your attention. Yes. Yes. And a lot of it was just me being at home reading and just like doing my own thing. Like I still was pretty introverted and not confident enough to really be like, I want to go out and like do all of these things. Like I didn't even know where to go. Like yeah. I didn't know LA at all. And LA is really spread out. Totally. Like, 
I'm curious because I feel like you're a person that has a million different interests. And like when you're kind of like at this crossroads and a lot of our listeners are that you kind of want to pursue one path with your full force. How did you identify this being the one that you actually could go forward with? Because I'm sure that you had like 25 different interests. Like what was it about this one? This one was really like apparent. Like this was like basically all like any information that I was consuming was health and wellness. So when my mom said that to me, I was like, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about it. I didn't even know that could even be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I truly was like, I don't know. What would I even do? Like, I have no idea. And then I remembered this girl I followed. So I got back home. I was just like reflecting on the week. And I remember this girl I followed talked about the school she went to. And I was like, let me find that person. I like went into my history on my computer and like tried to find her and I eventually did. And it was IIN, which is Institute of Integrative Nutrition for health coaching. And I was like, oh, so I clicked on it and I just started reading about the program and I actually started to cry. Like I was like, this is it. Like I can help people in health and wellness. Like I knew from Hillstone that I loved being of service. Like even just recommending a dish to somebody and then them loving it made me so happy. So actually at the time I would say, I don't know what I want to do. I was really gentle about it. I like truly was. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. It is. I need to work on that. You can't think if you're not gentle, like you, like it's clouded. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know it's completely forced. I'm like, I, I know I love helping people. What can I do? So then when I found this program, like I was like, wait, I can help people in this newfound like love that I have. Oh my God. It was like, ah, and I enrolled. Like I literally enrolled. I am so, first of all, intrigued by IIN. I love that you had kind of like a full spiritual moment crying. I feel like it's a very you know yeah. <laughs> obvious route that you should probably take this. Um, but I'm so curious about IIN in general. I like subscribe to the emails cause I'm just like so curious. So many of the founders that I love have gone the IIN route. Mm. Um, and I feel like if someone's listening to this, they're probably interested in it. Mm. Also, can you explain what you got out of it? What did, what was your intention going into it? And What's like the program like and how long does it take, et cetera? Yeah. My intention going into it, it happened pretty quickly. Um, I really didn't know much about it. Just like I could leave and be a practitioner, but I just, I wanted just to go and learn. I was really excited to like sit down and have a notebook and listen to these lectures. And I actually really enjoyed it talking about like my own learning uniqueness, if you will, like IAN has recorded videos. They also have subtitles and you can rewind So it was like, I was like, why is not every single class taught like this? Like, obviously there's something nice to be live, but I'm like, if colleges are recording classes, like they should have this option. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could also listen to it audio. So I would like walk around and listen. So it was just like, everything was just like flowing. Yes. Like it was like, (laughs) everything was flowing. um, And I was just so excited every day to, to, do these lectures and do the modules. Um, it's a year long, it's a year long course, um, with a few tests, like nothing crazy. And you basically hear from every single, anyone, like if you're listening to this or like anyone you follow who you respect in the health and wellness world is a, a a teacher lectures. So from Mm -hmm. doctors to even like personal development people, like very big names are on there and they teach. And the, the idea is to give you all these different conflicting information and then for you to find your own sort of way. So a lot of times my clients say to me, like, I have all of these 
I hear all these things. It's so confusing. And I always say, that's great because knowledge is power and and you should know all of these different things. But ultimately we have to find what works best for you. So I think IN really set me up for that thinking. Um, I think sometimes people go into it thinking they're going to leave and they're going to have like this thriving practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't find that to be true there. Um, And I guess it it also is like what you put into it. Mm -hmm. Um, They recommend that you start doing free health histories six months into the program. I didn't really do that. Um, So I just kind of knew like there was this platform that people were using and I wanted to use it too. And that was Instagram. And there were some people who were like, I just saw like, even though I wasn't going, I was not in wellness at all. I knew no one. I did this completely. It was like still a very lonely time for me. I just broke up with my boyfriend. I was living alone in a very small studio in LA, in LA, um, in Culver city, like actually palms. And I was just like, really like focused on finishing and learning and like being the best version of me. And that I am really helps you to slow down. One of the first things they teach you is keeping the promises you make to yourself to build self-trust and confidence and confidence. Mm -hmm. And I really like, I tried to hone in on that. So I was putting my bed to myself to bed early. Like I was just taking better care of myself. They were teaching, they had like some cooking classes. Like I was just self-developing through this whole year. Um, and yeah, like I didn't really have like a business plan or a plan. I just like had this vision that I wanted to help people and like make it like an impact. Like I wanted to help people on a larger scale. And you wanted to do it through food? No. (laughs) Okay. So I had no idea. Like I was going to be doing food, like literally no idea. Okay. I'm curious. How'd you get there? It's crazy. (laughs) I, so I had, I started just building like a practice. I was doing some free things. I knew that I like should do a blog. So I was writing blog. Uh, writing with what, what were like the topics that you were covering? So like Bulletproof had just like become a thing. So I like wrote a pitch to them um, to go and like I actually got in as press. So then I like covered the Bulletproof conference. Oh my God. So I was always like, I'm like savvy like that. Like I'll just like put myself out there. I don't yeah. believe in like holding, like whatever, if it's no, it's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And take advantage of your opportunities is you just don't get them again. Mm-hmm. So like I wrote about Bulletproof and then like, I was like on their radar and like, I just was like trying. And then I would like meet people. Like I would, events started happening, um, that I would go to, like, I was more confident. So I was like putting myself out there. Mm -hmm. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so eventually I like became, like, I was like, I had like a pretty thriving practice. And then I was introduced to Gina Rodriguez to potentially get her ready for a movie. What movie was it? Um, Miss Bala. Mm. This is like in 2017 and I had actually been working. I went back to Hillstone to make money like while I was at school. So I was working at South Beverly Grill and Honor Bar in Beverly Hills. And I was also working for this dermatologist. And then now I had this practice. So I was working three jobs. Like I was hustling like crazy. And she and I met and she's like, great. Like, How did you pitch her? Well, okay. So- the person doing her hair at the time had referred me. So we had like that whole thing. And I met with her and her boyfriend. I had like a folder out. We did an in-person health history. We talked about everything. And um, I was like, we're going to do this program. Like, this is totally what we're going to do. I told her about just like my approach that I'm non-dogmatic, but I understand you have a goal in mind. So Mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going to meet that goal. Yeah. Um, 
And she's like, great. Like, I love all of this, but I don't want, like, I'm not going to cook any, like, I'm not going to do that myself. Like, can you cook for me? And I was like, yes. Yes, girl. Of course. <laughs> the yes, girl. No problem. <laughs> Slash, I get in my car, I call my mom. I'm like, um, so I'm now going to be cooking for her. I went straight to the Grove, went to Barnes and Noble. I sat down, I got like, I pulled every book of like, essentially like paleo eating. So like, she's very open about her autoimmune. She has yeah. Hashimoto's. Um, and that's the only reason I'm saying it because she is open about it. Yeah. Um, so for me, and I didn't even know, I, I, I knew like everything I knew then, but I even would have done things differently. I would have even like cut lectins from her diet at the time. Um, but we pulled out grains. We were just like eating really high quality protein and vegetables and fats. And so I pulled a lot of books like that. And I just, I bought like six books that day and I came home. I went to, I went to CVS. I bought a huge like calendar and I had like sticky notes that were color coded. And I had like, I would just plan out her menu for the whole month and I'd be like, okay, like this week she was eating like a lot of fish or like whatever. Like I just, I was so, I was making sure she was getting everything that she needed and that it would be, it would be changed and that like she wouldn't get sick of it, but also like the nutrients that she was needing with her like high intensity, like everything that was in front of me in the calendar. I actually, I wonder if I still have it. But. That would be, I mean, I would love to see that. <laughs> I feel like that is so powerful and also so powerful that you did not have this full skill set to, you know, just nothing. kind of like go run with it. I had nothing. I think that that's a huge takeaway for anyone listening. If you have an opportunity like that, take it. Like no one was born knowing how to do anything. No. Like we were all taught how to do specific things. You can teach yourself. That's a great, great learning. Thank you. Like people are like, how did you learn to cook? I'm like, I'm self-taught. And they're like, oh, like your grandma and like mom grew up cooking. I'm like, no, literally like, like I ate like pizza, pasta, bagels. Like I'm not kidding. Like my mom did not cook. Like I am self-taught. So I was living with someone and every two days, like I was in the kitchen for like 12 hours a day, which was like a really not good, like over time. Yeah. Um, but luckily she was a really big foodie. So she was able to taste a lot of the food and she would be like, okay, like you need like to be heavier on the seasoning. Like, like she would give me really great feedback. What a great friend. I know. I know. <laughs> so I like, I learned how to cook living in this cute little house in, um, so in what Hancock was Gina's Park. feedback? Food was amazing. And then essentially the show ended. So she, I was doing this with her, bringing her food to Venice from Hancock Park, which if you guys don't know, it's like a good 45 minute drive. And then yeah. like in trial, like a true it's, hustle. Oh, it's a hustle. It's a hustle. And I, I was delivering everything in glass containers. So then she would leave me the glass containers and I would wash them when I get home. Like it was crazy. Um, so that she started filming, we were supposed to end and she's like, I don't want you to stop cooking for me. So I, she was filming in Tijuana and every weekend would come back to her place and I would bring her her food for the week in a, in a cooler. So we continued to still work together, but now we were, I was cooking for five days at a time. And then she got back and was starting to film Jane the Virgin and was like, I still don't want you to stop cooking for me. Um, but I saw like, I was basically charging Sony by the hour Yeah, and she's like, no girl, like I'm going to get like a meal delivery service. Yeah. So I looked up the most expensive meal delivery service, Sakara. which was Sakara. <laughs> and I adjusted accordingly because I'm one person I'm cooking with meat. I'm like, it, it was a very different. Yeah. And I adjusted accordingly. Um, and I basically was like, okay, I can do this. And she's like, like, I totally understand. Like, this is going to be very different from like what you're making before. Like she was yeah. like, was amazing. And, um, I, I 
basically got like her whole cast of a show overnight. So I was cooking for like 20 people. Did you hire staff? Like how yeah, did you yeah. do that logistically? I had to hire people. I had a friend who, um, you maybe know her, Sarah Ann Stewart in Los Angeles. She's also a practitioner and she does a lot with like um, meditation and um, just like meditating to eat better mm-hmm. um, and like tapping in. She and her husband do a lot of like did a lot of events. And I was part of this collective. So she had a lot of people who worked for her who she like would have chefs over. So she gave me some really great recommendations. Amazing. And um, so I, you're cooking for this whole cast. You're uh, like at the time where you're like, okay, this is just like happening. So I'm going with the flow. I want to continue this path and like scale it. Or were you like, I want to change it to do something a little bit different that fits more. I honestly couldn't think about anything. Like my life was completely wrapped up and consumed by this. Like, like people don't realize like food is such a crazy operation. Like even influencers on Instagram who are in food, like we post like pretty pictures of us, like in the kitchen, but like nobody is posting like the grocery shopping, the list planning, and then the cleanup. Like it, it, it's not glamorous. Like there's nothing glamorous about cooking. Mm-hmm. Like it's really lovely to create. But if I could, like I would have someone do the cook, the, the, the creation. Shopping. No, I want to. <laughs> oh, you want to create? Okay. And then everything else, like somebody else do it for you. But that's just not the way it is. I mean, you could make it that way. For sure. For sure. Down the road. Down the road. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did. I basically did it for like a year, and I was just so burnt out. Like it was. It was crazy. So every like- Sunday I was cooking like 150 to 200 meals a week. And then I had this two door little Honda that I would put everyone's bags in like pot, like the trunk, the back, the front, and everyone got a, um, a flower that so I would like leave it on their like doorstep. You're so cute. I can't. <laughs> and I would drive around after working like for three, 12 days at 12 hour days in a row from the weekend, from going to the farmer's markets, get everything fresh. I would drive on Sunday nights around Los Angeles. So I had like clients in the Valley. I had clients in Venice. I had clients like in central LA and I would drive around for like four hours. Okay. So at what point were you like, this is not sustainable? Um, basically I, I just like couldn't like do it any, any longer. Like I, I just couldn't do it. I was like, this is either. And I had people still like, people were like wanting to be my client, but I couldn't take anyone else on. Once you kind of hit 20 people, you, but difference between like 10 and 20 is no different, but 20 and up is you, it becomes like a crazy operation. I was like, I will have to make this similar to like a Sakara or like a model meals, which I like actually like thought about for a little bit. And but I knew, I knew like I had to bring on a partner and I just, I didn't have it in me at the time. And now like, like I would, I would do that now. Like if I had like a partner to help with logistics, I would love to be the creative and like do all of that in Mm -hmm. the kitchen. But I would definitely need, you need, like, how do you figure out how to, to do that? You know, like I didn't know how to do that. And if I was really, if I really wanted to, I could have figured it out, but I needed a break. Totally. And I wanted to get, I basically realized I'm helping these 20 people a week and they feel incredible. They love my food. I get to say hi to them. But like, I also was like texting a lot of them on Sunday nights, like delivery. And like, I was so disconnected from them as people and my clients and I, I love them. And we obviously had like an initial consult and like would stay in touch, but I was just like, I want to help more people. And I also had this epiphany living in LA, like I was getting more press. So I was getting gifted more things and I was getting invited to more things. And I realized like, we're so lucky. 
like people are looking at myself and like my other colleagues, like my friends who are doing similar things in LA and we're getting gifted all these things. Like we're going to classes and infrared and cryo and like drinking $15 juices from Erwan that were actually, Erwan doesn't get, <laughs> Erwan does not gift by Let's the way. <laughs> like I was buying those myself, <laughs> but nobody, if you don't live in LA, A, you don't have act, like you literally don't have access to these things. And most people do not, we don't, I can't even afford to do all these things. Right. So I realized that there people were feeling like maybe people were feeling as though, why do I need to be healthy? Like, I'm never going to be on that level. So why even start? And I was like, I just like want to get back to basics here and make wellness accessible. So I was like, I want to rebuild my private practice. I really want to focus on Instagram to reach more people. And that's what I did. So talk to me about, so this practice is called soul wellness method. Mm -hmm. This is your current practice, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure has shifted a little bit in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I love your six pillars. I want to talk about all six of them because it sounds like in the beginning of your career, you're really just focused on the food part of it and very disconnected from all the other parts. But it sounds like you wanted to have that connection with them on the five other pillars that really kind of like encapsulate a healthy lifestyle. Um, so yeah, talk to me about soul wellness method. What does it look like today? And what was your intention starting it? Yeah. Well, when I was, when I started the practice, I like would lose sleep over the name. So I always had soul wellness. The name is everything of the sort. It (laughs) is so good. It just feels so good. Thank you. I, I thought of this while I was in nutrition school and I, I, when I, I kid you not, I would lose sleep over it and it was going to be the wellness method for a bit. And I was like, that's not it. It's so true. Like whenever I think about your practice, I just literally think like the times that you feel the best, you always think like my soul is so happy. Like even when I have a really good meal, I'm like, that meal was good for my soul. Mm. You know, like I had a great Melissa Wood health on my balcony yesterday and I was like, that was good for my soul. Yes. You know? Yes. And like friends are good for your soul and feel eating great food is good for your soul. Yes. So when I like pivoted again, I knew that I needed to like have like a differentiator of like this method. Like I had this method, but it was like really more in my head. So I really had to sit down and be like, these thoughts in my head, like how can I convey them to the world? Because soul wellness method, like if you're not in wellness, you're kind of probably like, what the fuck is that? Like, it's like a little weird and like a little wooey maybe. So I was like, I need to like have like, a, like break this down. Mm-hmm. And I just like r- r- created these pillars that were like the things that helped me get through to feel like who I am today. Yeah. Um, and are kind of always like my North star as well when I start to just lose touch with some of them. Yeah. So their nutrition, movement, inner voice, self-expression, alone time and community. So the way I look at it is like, we need all of those things all the time, but depending where we are in our lives, some of them will take precedence over others. Um, and sometimes when we start to feel disconnected, we can just kind of revisit these pillars and be like, which one am I lacking? So for example, like I, love alone time so much. Like I could just like skip out every single night, but I know for myself, it makes me weird. Like too much of it makes me really weird. So I need to like (laughs) offset that with community time. And then when we're with community, we realize like, 
oh, like I'm not the only one going through this or like they're also struggling and you're connecting with others, which is so beautiful. Like community, I think like as much as I love the other ones without community, everything else just falls flat. It's so true. It's so, so true. So what does your practice look like right now for someone that's listening? That's like, I'm connecting with this on such a deep level that I want to know more. What can they expect from Solanus? So you can expect lots of fun, like brand recommendations, like through my Instagram. Um, obviously the, my private practice never changes. Like I love working one-on-one with clients. Like I'll never stop doing that. So what does that look like exactly? Like if I'm like, okay, I am looking for this goal. Is that what, is that how people come to you? And they're like, this is what I'm looking for. And I'm looking to do it in X amount of time. You sometimes it's like a time thing. A lot of times people come like if they do want that, but I typically like, like to do something longer term, um, like two to three months, just because especially with women, we have a menstrual cycle. Our hormones are different all the time and we're emotional and men are emotional too. And I, I think like men always get left out of the conversation. And I don't think that's fair. And our emotions play such a big role in, in the habits that we form in the way we, we, consume food, men and women use food as an emotional crutch. Um, and just things go on in our lives. So without the time to really see how the client reacts to these circumstances in their lives, how can we make change? Like I'm not interested in making a short-term change with a client. Like I'm, I'm really just not totally. Um, I mean, we also have to do a separate podcast on female hormones and eating for your cycle that Elisa Vitti was on my podcast and was my my most listened to episode. (gasps) Like I literally was like, you need to come back. I mean, I want to do an episode on each phase. Wow. I always reference her whenever I literally, I will always reference her. If I get asked to do press, like I've, I've mentioned her in a few push articles that like I've been asked to contribute to. Um, because I believe cycle syncing is like, it is insane. It is insane. When I was, I I had a, in the middle of the pandemic, I had a crazy hormonal situation. I had really high testosterone, I think probably like from stress. I don't know. And I, I was talking to her about it, implemented some of the methods and it really, it didn't really go away, but it got so much better naturally. Mm. That felt really good. So that's an aside because we definitely want to go through that, you know, whole thing. So right now people hire you for like a, Three months session. Correct. And you meet once a week? Yes, we meet once a week. They'll have access to me via email. Um, So that's just private coaching. Then I have other clients who bring me into their home to cook. So as much as I like wanted to get away from cooking, everything would like lead me back to food. And I just realized like, that's my thing. And I'm, I'm really talented at it. Our friend, Vanessa Fitzgerald, Mm -hmm. she would always encourage me. Like, she's like, Shauna, your food's amazing. Like we like go out to eat and she's like, your food's better. Like you, like it's so effortless to me and it's so nourishing. McGuire and I might hire you for the rest of your time (laughs) that you're in Miami, which actually leads me to my next question. As you're building this practice for anyone that's listening, that's curious about this space, or maybe potentially wants to cook for people in their homes. I feel like you've lived literally everywhere. You lived in New York, LA, now you're in Miami. Mm -hmm. And I know that you have kind of like a national presence on your Instagram, but like, how do you logistically build your book and like shift that from every place that you go? Because your lifestyle seems ideal, but like logistically for someone that's starting out, what advice would you give? Um, I would say, go to all the things, go to the events, talk to people. Um, that's really like the way, like find a community that you love that will also vouch for you. And, um, also like try to go outside of your circle. Like I love my health and wellness circle, but like 
you know, if you're trying to excel professionally as well, like you're all people with different interests are also going to be able to use you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always just try to keep like circles big, um, and have like friends who just kind of represent all the different aspects of me, um, and keep it just like super authentic. Don't be afraid to, to speak up. Like it's just, it's, it's yeah. like the, it's the knowledge that I think like it's not like new, like I'm not like saying anything. No, totally. But, but even so like with your network, like how do you logistically, (laughs) like now you're in Miami, do you have clients here? Um, not private clients. Um, I do have one. Well, you have one now (laughs) starting as of today. I have private clients virtually, but cooking clients know, um, because they in LA cook. A lot of my cooking clients are in LA and a lot of them are in New York. And for the past week, I've had like four people reach out about like jobs in the Hamptons, like people are, are coming back to like wanting to feel yeah. good for summer. So that's definitely happening. I don't know if it's because I've been in Miami for a short amount of time. I wasn't really looking for that. I really was just like, I want to get situated here. I launched, um, a, a membership last year, which is $11 a month and there's new recipes every month and we have exclusive brand discounts and I do chats like this and I bring guests on and it's all available in the portal. Mm-hmm. So that was launched during the pandemic. And when I moved to Miami, I was like, I really want to focus on that. Got it. So got it. Got it. Yeah. I think also Miami just is like a different vibe around wellness. Um, I'm that still like trying to figure it out. That I feel like every location, I, I I'm curious if you see a specific trend on interest in either like types of food methodologies or just like types of vibes that you're getting from different cities. Like, is there something that you can share from that? Yeah. I would say in I was really trying to think about this before I came in. In LA, people have so much, everyone has access to fresh, amazing food. There are farmer's markets every single day somewhere. Restaurants make an effort to be really healthy. They are really like, they really let the ingredients shine in LA, I feel, Mm -hmm. um, because the produce is so amazing. So people in LA have, for the most part, found I think what works really well for them and what they like. So my clients in LA were more like cook for me in this way. So like I had clients who are vegan and clients who are educated. They're educated. They know what works for them. Yeah. They've done it already. It's all just available for them. So it's like me coming in to help them in New York. It's like, I'm so busy. I don't even know what to do. Like I see all these different things. I don't know which one it is for me. And also sometimes it's like, cook for me, whatever you think. So there's a lot of like, there's more education that coming from me in New York. Um, and also the assistance of people of really fast lives there. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious. I was cooking in the middle of of last year in the summer for a few clients in, uh, New York who like were really busy there. Luckily their jobs weren't really affected by the pandemic. They were still able to go to for work. So, um, I would be curious like now what it would be like for people, um, living, going back to New York in like a few months, seeing what it will be like there. Miami, I, I don't have like the pulse read on it yet. I I've been here for four months. Um, a lot of people are like still buying juices and like drinking juices with, with a lot of sugar, with a lot of sugar, um, so I, I do think there's a lot of opportunity here. There isn't one place. I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. And like, I honestly might edit this out because I do love Saqqara. Yeah. But I, I literally came here. I'm now splitting time between New York and Miami. In New York, I do Saqqara Monday through Wednesday. From a time perspective, it just helps my life so much. Mm. Um, 
coming to Miami, I was like, okay, well, I'll just do Saqqara doing it in Miami. But logistically, there's a missed opportunity for them because they only do Tuesday dinner through Friday lunch. And like, I like to go out on Thursday nights. Mm. I don't want to eat dinner then. Friday, probably lunch and dinner. I'm going out, whatever. Long story short is that like the opportunity in Miami, there's like something that's like very like muscle and fitness, like catered fit. Yes. And Saqqara, which is on off days. And I'm the ideal. I'm like, hello. I need, that's why I'm like, I need to hire you because I'm like, I am the person that needs this Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Thursday, whatever. Um, but clearly the, like, I don't know that Miami's there yet because it's not available. So, and I don't even know if like people know that that's a thing, like that they, yeah. they can have that. Like it, it, I feel like it's, it's logistically not available. And like, I don't know if it's like welcomed here yet. Yeah. I, and it may be a lifestyle thing, but I also think with like New York coming to Miami, like you can take the New Yorker out of New York, but like you still, like person for me, it's a time thing. I'm like, I rather invest in having great quality food Monday through Wednesday so that I can focus on doing my job. You agreed. Know? I agree. I think Miami's going to have a major shift here. The only place I know where I can get like something that feels really good and healthy for me is Pura Vida, which it's Love. like, it's amazing, but like, it's the only place that I know I need to of. get the founder on here. She's amazing. You Jen. should. Yeah. You, they, she's doing an amazing job. It's yeah. incredible. The salads are incredible, but like, there's nowhere just to like grab something healthy. Also like, you know, Butchers is my client. I literally have been like begging them to open in Miami. Oh, <laughs> they definitely need to. I I'm like, this market is like literally made for you. L- like, literally me like they have to come on butcher's daughter i know butchers if you're listening come on i've told you a million times like let's let's get with it shauna can help you yes i would love to um i've been like even more vocal like when i go out and i'm like out and about like i'll like be on instagram and i'll be like holler at your girl like i can help curate like more snacks here like there just needs to there isn't like a cool place to go get like why don't you just launch the air one of Miami? I know. I know, but I leave Miami in like two months. But so what's your plan? Well, we can talk about that, but just tell us quickly, like, are you like going to come back to Miami? Maybe like, it's so hard to read with the trajectory. Like a lot of people I know are also going back for the summer to New York. And then like, I just don't, I don't have a, again, I don't have a pulse read on like the way the world is going. So I don't think I'll be ready to sign a lease anywhere until 2022. Um, when things straight out a little bit and we're all vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Like once things straight out, like I literally moved from LA in February of 2020 and then back to New York to start like a whole life there. And I was going to do like this whole soul series, like of different pillars every single, every month at like different places and like the whole world shut down. So like, I don't, I literally don't know. And like, it's yeah. a little terrifying, but I think if there's one thing we've all learned is like, just, we, we all are in the unknown. Totally. And we just I was actually talking out. to my boyfriend about this and I was like, we do so much like planning work and like, we try to like do as much as we possibly can, but it's like, we, you just have to release it to the universe, you know, plan and then say this or something better. And like, yes. that's it. <laughs> yes. It's true. And yeah. our past like have a way of just enfolding themselves to it. You know what? This is my piece of advice for anyone starting a business is like, you cannot helicopter parent your business. You also can't helicopter your parent in your life. These, I never thought I was going to get into food ever. And it just kept presenting itself. And when I tried to pull away from it, brands were like, can you curate this breakfast for influencers using our product? Can you make everything? And I'm like, yes, of course I will. And I'm just like, it's so funny because I was just getting pulled in this direction. And that's like my thing in my niche. And now it's like what I'm known for. Never did I Are think that. Are you happy that. about that? Of course I am because okay. it's, it's, it, it, it is what it is. Like, and I love creating the food and 
I love helping people. Like it's literally, it's. So you feel like you're currently living in your active ingredient? I do. I do. I always feel like there's, I'm like a perfectionist Virgo. Like I'm working on building better habits. I'm reading Atomic Habits right now. And <laughs> like, I'm always just trying to improve. Um, I'm really excited to get back to New York. I, I sometimes feel really uninspired here in Miami. Um, I think it's amazing here. And I'm really happy I made the decision to move to Miami during a mm-hmm. pandemic because I, there's freedom here. Um, and obviously like I'm careful, but and my friends are careful what I have to say, mm-hmm. regardless of what people see on the news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I just, I love New York. And like, I just, every single inch of that city is inspiring. And yeah. there's an energy there that's just amazing. Unmatched. Yeah. Unmatched. So if you feel comfortable, I want to get into your kind of body, body confidence, your, your kind of journey with body image in general. Um, I've heard you speak about your orthorexia journey and being in the health and wellness space. I'm just curious on how you reconcile, you know, being so in it and then also finding the line to make sure that you're not going down that path again while mm-hmm. still having to have that be your life 24 seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. I would love to talk about it. Um, after the binge, like after binge eating mm-hmm. and then once going into nutrition school, I was definitely really orthorexic during, I think towards the end of nutrition school into a few years after, like the anxiety I would feel going out to eat. And if you guys don't know what orthorexia is, it's basically like a fear of not eating pure good for you ingredients. So like my thought process would be like, okay, like I'm out to eat. And I'm going to get a salad with chicken, but what was that chicken fed? And like, where is it coming from? And I would like picture the chicken on a field or like, were they in like a cage? Like I couldn't stop obsessing about everything or I'd be like, oh, is there pests? Like, are these organic? Is there pesticides like sprayed? And I would just like in my head be like, there's like residue of pesticides on here. Like I'm literally like, it was me making it up in my mind. Um, and that's like, was really unpleasant for myself. And then I realized like for people around me too. Um, and I had to just like, honestly, like one of the biggest moments I had that was really helpful is I had traveled home from LA. I was in Long Island with my family and my dad's from Queens. He's like super smart, straight shooter, like great, amazing, cool guy. And like, Sometimes he just has like, he's so spiritual sometimes that like he's so, it's so, it's not overt. Mm -hmm. And we were eating like something that was not gluten-free or dairy-free or grain-free. And like, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like I I can't have, like, I'm not, I can't have that. Like even just like reframing throughout time, the words that I say um, and think, which is inner voice, part of one of our pillars. But my dad was like, have it. It's good for your brain to do this. Like, do like, just have this. It's good for you to do this sometimes. Like he said something like that. And I was like, oh, and like I was eating it and I was like, we were having fun and we were like both like, "Mm, this is so good. And it was like nostalgic. I used to eat it when I was little. And like, I was like, this is good for you. Like it, even though it's not like what the papers say is good for you, like it is good for you. And I just kind of started like thinking of that often. Um, 
Did you do anything like specific to help with the obsessions? Like, did you go to therapy? Was there a book that really resonated with you or was it really just yourself kind of catching yourself when you would go down those things and reframing? I would catch myself. I would, I'm also just like a very curious person. So I would watch and observe people who I, I felt were really healthy emotionally and like mentally and also physically. Like, I don't even know if it was correct, but I would just like get really curious about people who I thought had like freedom in their lives. And I would just observe them. And I like realize like people who I felt that way about were like sometimes eating the pancakes on Sunday morning or like being hungover and like, it wasn't ashamed about drinking too much. And like, they were just like open and like who they were, they were like owning themselves. And I was like, like that, I think that's it. Like, I think like that is it. Like just accepting who we are and like surrendering to the fact that like we are who we are. And there's like, really there's things we can do about it, but like, we all want to like enjoy our food and we all want to enjoy people. We all want to have like late nights out and laughing and like, it's okay to sometimes be tired and like, we don't have to be like this image of perfection. And that's like also with like the wellness world, like we want to get a lot of sleep and we want to maybe take supplements and like, we think we should be eating a certain way, but like ultimately we have to do what's best for us. And I think sometimes over information is just like so restricting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually like pulled back a lot on like reading or like listening. So it is so overwhelming. Like I had so much information, like why do I have to keep reading all of these things? And, and as a practitioner, like you have to stay on top of it and know what's changing. But like, I didn't need to read like an influencer, like talking about totally something that just was like, not my truth. It's something that I actually, I talk to my family about a lot because I mean, my mom has gotten like a million of those tests done that like tells you what you're allergic to, what you're not, whatever. And it's like, so she'll stop eating something because it, the test says that. And I'm like, how do you, how do you feel when you eat that? Like, mm-hmm. does it just because the test says something sometimes, and I don't want to give, like, obviously talk to your doctor, doctor. I'm not an expert in this at all, but it's like really tuning in and listening. Like what are you bloated after you eat something specific? I know exactly what bloats me, you know, mm-hmm. at this point in my life, I know what bloats me. I know mm-hmm. at what time I have to stop eating so that I can sleep great. Like just like knowing your own body because the noise is insane. I for work also have to read absolutely everything. So again, like I am very curious to know how you like read and then like reel it in Mm. for yourself because I definitely struggle with that. But I just think for like the listener, it's like really just listening to your own body and seeing how you react to something and like take note. Yes. And and it can change also. That's another thing. Yes. What worked for me six months ago does not work for me anymore in some capacities, you know? So just always listening. Correct. And there's, you're just constantly doing your own biofeedback. A lot of times clients start with me and they're like, should I get all these tests? I'm like, if you like financially want to go and down that route with that route and like can do that, like, sure, you can totally do that. But I'd rather work with you for the first, one of our, our first month together, pull some things out of your diet and then like gradually add them back in and see, like, let's just yeah. do your own biofeedback and get you comfortable with tapping in. There's also, I'm really glad you were saying that it sparked something that I always will talk to my clients about is like this emotional side of eating. So like when we're like sort of like reaching for chips and we're just like mindlessly eating that and like crunching and like the hand to bag 
and then hand to mouth motion like over and over again. Like that's like so much anxiety. So in Ayurvedic medicine, it's always about finding your equilibrium. So if we were going to use that theory, it would be like, okay, if you're feeling the urge to snack and like bite down and crunch, like you're probably needing something that's completely opposite, which is like love and nourishment and like slow living and like maybe a hug or a bath. So often with those cravings, the best thing maybe to do in that instance is to like go for something that's the opposite of that. So like having like a coconut yogurt or like having a smoothie and making it super thick. So you're like, you're, you're like sucking and nourishing yourself with a spoon. And like, it's a slower movement Whereas it now it's like pulling you out of that state of anxiety into like this other side of the pendulum. That's like a slower nourishing thing to equal you out, to equal you out. So fascinating. So fascinating. Right. Yeah. And like the opposite, if you're feeling like really sluggish, like if you're going to look at movement, like maybe you do some hit workouts yeah. or you create something that's like a little spicy. Yeah. I also just want to like back to the point of like overconsumption and just like not knowing which route to take because there's 8 million different yeah. routes that you can take. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to share this that worked for me recently, like in the past year with the pandemic, I said this on my solo episode, but I'm going to say it again. There are a lot of accounts that I follow that I actually love the influencer or I love the account, et cetera, but confuse me. So I just, to be able to reel it in, I've literally muted like 50% of the people that I follow and really am so conscious about what I consume because it really informs what you're doing in your actual life. So I hope that that's helpful for someone yeah. listening because like, you know, you can follow a few influ- influencers that you just genuinely love their vibe, but one of them's paleo, one of them's keto, one of them's plant-based and you're getting all these conflicting things. So for me, the mute has been like the best function to happen to my life. <laughs> I love that. And I am so on board with that and people will never know. They'll but never know. They'll never know. And like, ultimately if they did know, like who cares? Like you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, whenever I post on Instagram and I'm talking about food or movement and even on stories, like I think as practitioners, I think people like have an obligation to say along the lines, like this works for me. And that's always my messaging. I really, really try to do that. Or if I'm like saying why I'm, I'm making it this way or like what I'm feeling and why I'm making this today, I try to give like a full explanation that invites thought and doesn't make it like you must like I don't believe like how do I know what you have to do? like right who the fuck am I like I don't know what right. you must do like I don't know totally. I just know what's working for me um and I always try to like word things in that way it's so important it's absolutely so I think important. It's, you have a, I think we have a responsibility to do that totally um so I always ask all my guests for the listener that is kind of in limbo or curious about a specific space or maybe feels stuck in their current circumstance um and sees you living in your active ingredient and wants that for themselves but doesn't know the questions to ask themselves what advice would you give them um I I would say sit down get quiet grab a notebook, go for a walk, whatever it is where you can have some quiet time and just start thinking about who the person is that you see in your mind that like is your true you. Like I always will try to hold this picture of myself of just like who I am at like my pure being. So like, is it someone who's calm? Is it someone who is like not afraid to speak to people? Is it 
someone who's like super productive, like who is that person for you and hold that in your mind and then do the things that that person would do. And I always think like people we admire are really reflections of things we have in ourselves. Like they're not, they're really, if you like really are drawn to someone, there's a reason and there's a quality in that person that you also find in you. You recognize it. You recognize it. Correct. Um, and then we have to like this journey of self-acceptance is like a journey of honesty. Like Mm -hmm. we have to be really honest. Like I know now, like even if I'm trying to take off a few pounds, like I can't go crazy overboard because it's really triggering for me. And like, I might, I keep Siete chips in my house so I can like have some like when I'm doing that. I want, I want one of the sons to come on this podcast. They're amazing. Do you know them? I do. I know them from like going to trade shows. And when I was working with Gina, because like Gina's Latina and like they are like, they're just like, yeah, they're to have one of them on this podcast. They would make the intro. I I would love to make the intro. I fucking love Siete more than anything. (laughs) Their cassava wraps for like taco night is like everything of the sort. They would send me. This is not sponsored, by the way. (laughs) Not sponsored. They would send me boxes of their products for my meal delivery. And so with Primal Kitchen, they would send me things to include when I was doing meal delivery. Primal Kitchen ketchup, like from your perspective, is that actually like not that bad? No, it's great. I love, I I truly love everything that Primal makes. I love that. And Mark is amazing. Like Mark, the founder is amazing. Amazing. He's so knowledgeable. Um, So many people in our space I want to have on. But anyway. You will. You will. Um, I think just you have to be really honest with yourself and gentle with yourself. And that's like the pillar of inner voice. We have on my website, we have a pillar. It's $10, a pillar's guide. It's all six pillars. And it's kind of like an intro. And there are exercises in there to kind of like tap you in and see like where things maybe need more attention. And it's basically just like um, a guide. Like it's like a care manual for the soul. I also want to call out that blog post that you did. That's what really grabbed Mm. me. I feel like I've wanted you on the podcast for a while, but that I was like, I need to have her on like now after I read that. Thank you. Um, So I'll link it in the show notes, but I can't remember what outlet you did it for. I did it for Jet Sweat Fitness, which Mm. is a online streaming platform of all different studios. Like they have like hundreds of studios and classes. um, And I wrote it for them. I'm going to link it in the show notes because it was so powerful. I loved it. And I feel like that's a really good entry point to understand your brain, your methodology, et cetera. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Amazing. So I always close out the podcast with a lighter question, which is what is your literal active ingredient, (laughs) which could be anything from coffee. Like someone has said, like giving a hug to my kid could be Siete chips, could be like (laughs) anything that you have to have every single day. It's definitely coffee. definitely (laughs) clean coffee. What's clean coffee? Um, so you want to look for small batch, single origin coffee. It's a little bit more expensive. I always say I'm snobby with coffee. Um, so So like what's your go-to in Miami? Um, I go to Panther, which you have, (laughs) um, I make bulletproof at home. Um, I've also been, uh, Hudson roasters is a girl I met down here and her family's been in like the coffee business forever. Mm. And she sent me, they have three different blends that are very affordable. They're also single origin and small batch. They're delicious. Like they're, they're actually beautiful. Um, okay. So amazing. I, I, I and in New York, what are your go-tos? I go to Stumptown. I love Stumptown. Um, La Columbus, super clean, but it's just, sometimes it's just like the taste isn't the there taste, for me. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, I'm not in the mood for that, like sh- bitter, bitter strong, but sometimes I am. Um, where else in New York? Oh, the elk in the West village love. Mm. And oh, this is my favorite place in the whole, whole city. Wait. The best coconut 
latte. It's fresh coconut milk. Like the only one I've ever found outside of Erewhon that's amazing and fresh. It's um, Cafe Integral. Oh, never heard of it. It is the best. Is it? Is it next to Egg Shop? Like, is it on the right side of? Yeah. Okay. It's it's Argentinian, I think. Yep. I th- I'm pretty sure it's Argentinian. They have fresh coconut milk, and I never do ice. I just is not good for my like. I, it doesn't ice work. It's not doesn't work for me. But their iced coconut latte is like one of the best. Everything things of the, in the sort. World. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I'm gonna try it the second I get there. Yes, please um, do. And they have really cute bags. I usually keep my computer in it. Oh, really? It's really cute. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, where can everyone find you? Where, what's the Instagram? The website? Soul Wellness? Everything? Um. You can find me on Instagram at Shauna Felici, and then soulwellnessmethod.com, where you can download guides and join our membership, which is eleven dollars a month because of my, my commitment to accessible wellness. Are you taking on private clients? Uh, yes, I am taking on private clients. In what clients. city? Um, if you're virtual, like if I can take you from anywhere, yeah. um, and then I'll, I won't, I, I'm here in Miami till May 15th and then otherwise I'll be in New York or the Hamptons. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Amazing. For, for cooking. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. We, we're going to have to do Hillstone episode, hormone episode, siete episode. Yes. Maybe even like <laughs> meal prep episode. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I actually need so much help with that. Yeah. I think like it overwhelms people. Too. It does. There's it does. so much freedom when you meal prep though. I know. Um, thank you so much. This oh my God, was thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.